Dear fellow redeemed, today we consider our gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 5. And as we begin, we'll actually start with a few verses from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55 reads like this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And those, those words, they probably sound familiar. And you might know the context that Isaiah is even talking about here, where God would go on to say that his word does not return to him empty, and that the way in which he is different from you or I is that he doesn't hold a grudge, that he doesn't get even, that instead he promised forgiveness in the person and work of his son. But how true it is. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord God Almighty. And it's not just, not just in that discussion of grace, mercy, and forgiveness, but that his thoughts are above our thoughts in a way that, that we don't understand in a way that doesn't come naturally, and in a way that we don't expect. Because as much as you or I might know these words, and love those words, and take comfort in those words, when something happens, and we recognize, yes, the Lord is good, and He is the one who is holy, and His ways are not my ways, and I don't understand it now, but maybe I will one day. We take comfort in the truth that God's ways and God's thinking and God's activities are not our thoughts. And even though we take comfort in that truth, at the same time, as much as I love those words, I don't believe it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not that I don't believe it. I know though that those are the words of God and that they reveal the truth about God, but, but there's so much in me that doesn't want to believe it. My sinful flesh hates those words. When God says that he is God and I am not, when he says that his ways are not my ways, when, when I pray. And yes, I, I might even use the words, our Father who art in heaven, or some other prayer. But this thinking that, of course, of course, God will give me exactly what I prayed for and exactly the time frame because, because that's what must be best for me. My sinful flesh wants to say that I know that God's ways are not my ways, but really they should be. And isn't that the heart of it? Who here would volunteer for anything that Jesus talked about? The poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are pure in heart, those who are merciful, those are good things. But then he goes on. Very specifically, not just the general, blessed are they, blessed are those. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And we hear those words, and it is exactly in the same boat that those words, those words confront where our hearts really are. Those words confront us at our most personal, at our closest. Those words confront our expectations. Those words confront exactly where the line falls. That sure enough, it's, it's easy to be a follower of Jesus when my life is in order and everything is going as well as it could be. And it's, it's easy enough to be a follower of Jesus when the health is there and the family is in fairly good relationships with one another. 
but a follower of Jesus. When somebody speaks ill of me, when somebody talks behind my back, when somebody backstabs me or gives me a bad report at work for no other reason than I'm just trying to do my best as a Christian. That I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do the best in my job, in my occupation, simply because I know all that my Lord has given to me, and I want to, I want to say thank you with my life, and it's not really about the expectations of those that I work with. I just want to be faithful with what my God has given to me. And what happens? Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Blessed are you when people twist your words. Blessed are you when people hang up the phone on you and turn their backs on you and cut you out of their life because of me. Blessed are you when life when life that you were expecting doesn't quite shake out the way that you had hoped. Blessed are you when you, have, when you have surgery, when you have cancer, when you have a broken limb. Blessed are you when you are grieving and you experience loss and you are mourning and somebody sins against you and you can't change a thing about it. Wow. And when you put it like that, it sounds, it sounds almost crazy. Sounds upside down. It sounds like here's this Jesus who is giving us an echo of what God had said through the prophet Isaiah that his ways are not my ways. Blessed are you when your life isn't going exactly the way you wanted, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And there's that last part. And that it's all because of this connection to Jesus. Because there's obviously ample opportunity throughout the world and throughout your life where people might say bad things about you or they might twist your words or, um, or kind of change and try to, um, try to slander your name. But Jesus says, because of me. Because that's where you end up. It's either A, when Jesus says, follow me, I like to follow him when life is going well. But when following him brings precisely this sort of opposition or persecution or heartache, or B, I want to attribute to others and look at my life and say, well, look at, look at the relationships that aren't there that could have been. Look at the way that somebody spoke against me. Surely, surely it must be because of my Christianity. And we end up in this, in this, this curious tension where on the one hand, we, we don't want the suffering that comes with being a follower of Jesus. And on the other hand, we want to attribute any sense of suffering in our lives to being a follower of Jesus. On the one hand, that we don't want the suffering that Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make your life miserable here on earth because people will insult you, persecute you, and, and lie about you because of me. And on the other hand, we have this inborn expectation that if something happened in my life, that if my life isn't exactly the way that I wanted or, um, or someone has sinned against me, 
that I had no part in it. I am the completely, purely innocent party, pure as the driven snow, and surely that must be what persecution looks like in today's world. And the sinful nature likes to hide even behind both. We see the, the fear, the reluctance, the unwillingness to follow Jesus when life takes a turn. We see the reluctance and the even inability, inability, sure, the inability to see God's grace revealed in weakness. We see that. But we also, we also see how the sinful flesh likes to say, well, it's not my fault, and I don't deserve this, and it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's because of this Jesus that I follow. As if to say that, that I have done enough as a Christian. I've been faithful enough. I have participated enough in whatever, however you measure that. I have done enough as a Christian that I don't deserve anything that I consider to be bad, painful, uncomfortable. And at the same time, if anything does happen to me, it's not, not simply a symptom of life in a sinful world. And it's not simply because... Um, because I cultivated a similar relationship with the person who's now lying about me. It's because, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm the only Christian that they know. Is it possible that we fall into, fall into that trap? That it's not just that we want to follow Jesus, and we, we love the idea of our Christian faith when it's easy. And we can take the easy way out and say, well, I'll show up, you know, once or twice a month, that's fine. That, that keeps me in the club, right? But we also want to say that if anything happens to me, that I am not at fault, that somebody else must have a grudge against me, somebody else has it out for me, or at the very least, it's outside of my control and there is no culpability here, that Jesus ought to bless me because I know that I deserve to be blessed. And that nobody ought to speak ill of me because I know that I don't deserve those words. And I think that's really behind the pointed statements that Jesus provides for us here. He gives us a spiritual chiropractic adjustment, and you just hear it go crack the whole way down. He gives us this adjustment, and he says, Blessed are you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy. And that's all well and good, until you get to that, and you look at it, and it's like, I am hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that even my own family is taking my words and twisting them and trying to throw them back in my face. I am hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and Lord, I've been trying to be gentle, but boy, oh boy, sometimes they really need to hear it. Lord, I am trying to be this one who is pure in heart, but even though my actions might be pure, at least from the outside, the heart certainly isn't. And with all of these words, as he begins his Sermon on the Mount, which, by the way, um, if you look at it, it's like Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's all law, pretty much. All law for the Christian to help diagnose our heart and where it is and then to help provide guidance 
once he's brought us to that recognition, when he alone has worked the repentance within our hearts. And that's why, that's why we need to shut out every other voice and every other worry, every other even voice from inside that says, I'll follow Jesus until it gets difficult, and I'll follow Jesus, and anything that happens to me that I don't like, I'll attribute to Jesus in my life. We shut out both of those voices, and we stand here before Jesus as he is sitting on that mountainside, and his voice carries down through the valley. We sit here before Jesus and say, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because apart from your words, Lord, I would not see this. Apart from your words, apart from his words, who of us would say, you know, this is how God is going to work in your life. How delightful does this sound? That God wants, to, um, God wants his church to experience a cross. That God wants his people to experience suffering. That God wants his people to, um, to even persist through persecution. That it's not God's will that people would fall away from the truth. But just as the world hated Jesus, so also it hates all those who bear the name of Jesus. And that is true whether we see that externally or not. That is true whether you drove by Christians whose houses were burning today or you just drove to church and it was a normal Sunday morning. Whether there is this external persecution from a world that hates Jesus or whether it looks just like any other day, the truth is there. And so Jesus, Jesus calls us close and he says, Dear Christian, don't live your life on the basis of what you see. And don't try to count your worth on the basis of what you hear. Don't try to, don't try to organize your life and direct your action on the basis of, of how others will react to you. Don't look to other, the reactions of others for how you ought to act. Instead, shout out all those other voices and listen to what your Savior says that this world is totally upside down from the way it ought to be. That this world is totally backwards from the life that Jesus had created for you. And so he tries to unwind that for you and for me. And that's what he wants to do, to help us have a proper perspective on what life looks like now and what life looks like in the world to come. And so he, he starts out with those statements of blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are disenchanted and frustrated by the way that the world is around us. You don't have to look too far to see you know, division and heartache. You don't have to look too far to see sin. You don't have to look too far even beyond the mirror. But blessed are the poor in heart. Dear Christian, take heart. Because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Take heart, because this Jesus who, who gives this sermon, this Jesus who speaks to his people, he is the one who came to be king for his people. He is the one who came to, yes, die and rise for his people. Because of all things that are unnatural in this life, death is the most. And that this Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who didn't know death, this Jesus willingly laid down his life only to take it up again so that you and I can have blessing from this upside-down sort of grace. 
And this grace that says that God has reversed his punishment. That this God has taken upon himself your sin and mine. Even the sin that we maybe didn't even realize before Jesus started this sermon. The sin of, um, of hiding. The, the way that our sinful flesh likes to hide and say, well, I don't want that right now. That's too much suffering for me. Or anything that I have in this life that is not good, well, I don't deserve it. And Jesus says, dear Christian, here is your forgiveness. And here is the blessing that your Savior promises. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's the thing about the Beatitudes here. It's not about, not about your actions, not about your attitudes. It's about the blessings that Jesus gives to his people. The blessings that Jesus gives. He wants to bless you with that heart that says, I've got nothing, Lord, to offer. He wants to bless you during, during your mourning with the promise of comfort. He wants to bless you during the time of loss with the blessing and the promise of eternity. He wants to bless you during the time of persecution so that you can say, you know, I, even, if I, even if I lose everything in this world, my Lord has promised to me an eternity that cannot be taken away from me. He wants to bless you so that you know, you know exactly where his blessing is to be found. Then indeed, his ways are not our ways. And if they were... <laughs> Well, it's not a pretty sight. Well, thanks be to God that his ways are not our ways, that he himself joined our human race in order to give blessings to you. And so whenever it is that people insult you or persecute you or falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus, rejoice. Rejoice that God has counted you worthy of suffering for his name. Rejoice and be glad because the life that you have with Jesus is a life that he began at your baptism, a life that he nourishes here at his table, a life through which he marks you with his cross and his resurrection, a life that says rejoice and be glad because yours is the kingdom of God. And by the way, <laughs> that's right in line with the way God has always acted. Why? Because. His ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than ours, and his thoughts higher than ours. And thanks be to God. Amen.